Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Well, we were supposed to be partying on the beaches of Bournemouth this weekend, Frankie, but instead Kiefer Moore turned up to kick sand in our eyes like every summer holiday bully I met as a kid. Uh, we'll dissect that woeful performance in a moment, plus things take a turn for the spicy with today's spicy question. But before we get to all that, Frankie, how have you been? Yeah, it's still sort of recovering from what I witnessed on Saturday. Mm. Uh, I mean, it, the good news is that I went to the Commonwealth Games. Um, brilliant atmosphere. Uh, I went there with a couple of friends who were not from the area. Um, so they got a, they were all kind of raving about how good Birmingham is, which was like, okay for me. And they're like, God, everyone's so friendly. And I was like, yeah, I, I remember that growing <laughs> up. Everyone being super friendly. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the, the volunteers were fantastic. Getting back and forth from the stadium, the Alexander Stadium, Perry Bar was great. Um, it's just, it was just like a festival feel. It was almost kind of like a sort of like London 2012, a little bit, and Glastonbury Festival, that sort of a feeling. Everyone's in a good mood. There's people from all over the place there. So, uh, yeah, strongly that, that put me in a great mood. I was elated. And then Saturday came. When Saturday comes. When Saturday comes. And and also, because we were trying to do a podcast, obviously straight after the match, but then you messaged to say there were some issues with the trains as well. So you, I think your day just got from bad to worse then, didn't it? It was sort yeah. of the Bournemouth game. And then um, and then you were stuck in, in Birmingham New Street, which is a, a fine station, Frankie. Fine you don't want to be stuck, at any to be stuck in. There is no finer station to be stuck in. Um, but yeah, <laughs> give I, you a I, sense of civic pride to be stuck there. Yeah, I did get to see the bull in person as well. I did. I just want Birmingham to make that a feature of the city. It's just brilliant. Like I have been told that there might be a reason that they can't keep it outside because it might not be able to handle cold weather. But uh, if <laughs> like an actual bull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just grow some fur, you know, put some fur on it. But I don't know. Like if, if there is a way to make it a main major feature of the city centre it looks brilliant it's got it'd be unique people would love to go see it It'd become a big feature of the city mm. i am campaigning right now here on the all villa no filler podcast for that ball to become a feature of the city centre well i mean as as you say frankie i think there has been uh, there has been a lot of talk about trying to keep it there i think i think it would be great i mean birmingham does have a lot of things going for it to attract people for sure but um you know that it does seem like it's quite an iconic um it's already become quite an iconic um uh thing for the city so if we can keep it in birmingham then then uh, then we should uh, then we absolutely should and of course if if anybody is interested in in finding out where to go in Birmingham, look no further than allvillanofilla.com, our, oh, yes. our new website, which was launched in the last couple of weeks. Um, not only does, uh, does it have a lot of information about our podcast and about us, obviously, but also places to go and uh, visit and see and eat and drink and all that sort of stuff in Birmingham, which yeah. uh, there's a lot to do, Frankie. So, uh, so much to so do. I advise people to go there. There's so there is so much to do. It's the second city, Frankie. The second city. Yeah. Um. First, so people need first. people need to go there. Um. For first city, <clears throat> right? So, unfortunately, Frankie, we do need to get to Bournemouth. I don't want to, uh, but I'm contractually obliged to by the legal team here at All Villa No Villa Towers. Yeah, can't mess with um, the legal team. No, <laughs> no, law will deal with you. They they are they are tough. 
Um, Frankie, unfortunately, world, words words do fail me. Hopefully, you've got some. Otherwise, this will be a very short show. Uh, what did you What did you make of the debacle on the south coast? Well, you know, I, I, I don't even like football, really. I, I, I don't even know why I watch football. It's just men kicking a ball around, really, isn't it, you know? It's Awful. just me and my inner Mark Lawrence and just going to hyperdrive when I was watching it. Um, yeah. You know, like, obviously you can't get carried away with preseason. You know, I, I mentioned last week that Tottenham won, I think, every game in preseason like 10 years ago. And then proceeded to lose the first eight games of the season, I think it was. Yeah. Maybe in the Martin Yoll era, I want to say. So obviously there can be false dawns, but there was enough against Wren and Man United that suggested to me that there was a a certain toughness to the team. But what we witnessed against Bournemouth was there was no toughness, there was no urgency, there was no energy from the first minute we conceded the quickest goal that a promoted side has ever scored a match day one uh, that is just that's that's what happens you know that's just what it's, Villa a, it's very Ast- yeah it's very aston villa it's very aston villa it's like you know it, the main the main issue i had with it was that i can't think of a single chance the villa created right and I watched the game and I thought, I don't know what Villa are trying to do. I don't know what the game plan is. I don't know what the structure is. Um, you know, you could argue last season that Steven Gerrard hasn't had a preseason, right? He hasn't signed many of his own players, though he got to sign a couple in the winter. But now he's had a full preseason. He signed a lot of his own players. And you would think that the we'd be a lot closer to knowing what it is that Villa are trying to do. But watching it, uh, again, watching the Bournemouth match, I, I don't, I'm not convinced Stephen Gerrard knows what his best 11 is. I'm not even convinced that there's really um, a plan at the moment from what I just saw, considering that the middle, the midfield three of Ramsey and um, McGinn, I'll forget Kamara for a second because I thought he actually played really well. But McGinn and Ramsey, to me, looked like they didn't know how to link up with the front three. Coutinho on the left of the front three didn't really know where to be and where he was kind of anonymous. And when he, I guess when he got the ball, he was kind of crowded out of it, sometimes by his own players. Danny Ings um, just lost, uh, trying to somehow do something when balls have been floated in from deep and headed away by six foot three, Chris Metham in the centre defence of Bournemouth. So, you know, Bournemouth, to me, looked like they had a game plan. They took the lead, which was perfect for them, which meant they could sit back with sit with five at the back. That numbed our fullbacks. And therefore, Villa didn't know how to react to it. There was no intricacy. Um, nothing. It was just like the only the only idea Villa had was to just lump balls into the box and hope for the best. And for Bournemouth, that was perfect. And, you know, the people I feel most sorry for are Bournemouth fans because they've won 2-0 convincingly on the first day of the season. They probably think that might mean that, oh, we've got a chance this year. But it's probably not too dissimilar to what happened with Watford last season, where Watford hammered us on the first day and then proceeded to win only five more games all season, one of which was against you-know-who. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I can't think of a time on this podcast where I've ever been like too 
negative or harsh about it. I, I tried to be like very level-headed about it all. But I, I, I watched that on Saturday and I thought, I do not know what this is. I don't know. Um, it was just, it just looked to me like there wasn't a game plan. And if there was one, it wasn't enacted properly. And that maybe the goal in the first minute changed how Bournemouth played, but Villa and the coaching staff didn't react to it. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a great day out, you know. In in the end, um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm done. See you later. Have a good one. Okay, there we are. That's it. That's it for all Villa and Villa uh, today. Yeah. So I agree. I mean, obviously, I I, I saw the game and um, I agree with 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 pretty much all of what you were saying there, Frankie. It's um, what I find frustrating is. Um, you know, as you say, we, we've we've Gerard has been in charge of, of of Villa for for a number of months now, and it's not just the fact he's had a full preseason and a full summer bringing players. Um, most of them were, were done early. You know, we we thought that was going to be a huge benefit, and we that they'd come in early and they'd they'd sort of understand how we play and get to know some of the other players and all that stuff. All the benefits that that would bring, but it's that um, as you, as you were saying, it's it's like. He's been he's been with our club for 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 a long time now in in football terms, and I still don't really know how we play. I mean, people talk a lot about how he likes his wingers getting up and attacking and and and, and everything, and that's all well and good when uh, when clubs don't work other opposition clubs don't work out how to nullify that, which seems pretty straightforward, as you say. Bournemouth just scored and then went to back five. It seemed like a very straightforward way of of nullifying. Um, uh, wing backs, which mm. he obviously did do, um, but 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 ta- Gerard has to be more tactically aware to respond to that. You know, I I, I saw I, I read a stat somewhere that we're 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 um, particularly poor at, um, at at coming back into games after conceding early, and you can and you can see why because I I think we are tactically inflexible. We don't yet have a way to uh, change things up when we go behind. We, we start to panic. Uh, I think, you know, once we went 1-0 down, there was a sense that, oh God, we're losing to Bournemouth. Bournemouth, who uh, Scott Parker himself said were lacking in numerous areas before heading into the Premier League season. Bournemouth, who, if you look on paper, you think that's a championship side right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, completely. And and we just we sort of like we sort of like froze and we didn't really know what, what to do. And okay, in the second half, I think we probably improved slightly, but there was no guile, no impetus. Uh, our attacking play in the final third was woeful. I mean, it's all well and good keeping onto the ball, but if you're not going to do anything with it, what's the point? And then the incessant balls going into the box that, as you say, were very easily dealt with by um, Bournemouth's makeshift. Uh, pack five um just yeah yeah i mean what's danny ing's gonna do we don't have we don't have an aerial threat i think i know we talked about um last season about the importance of a, a, a defensive midfielder and, and and kamara's as you say would probably be the one notable player to come out of it with any sort of credit he was good. but he's not he's not a physically like you know he's strong and everything but he's not physically imposing in the same way like a a Kiefer Moore is, you know, he's not six foot four, six foot five. And we don't have players like that. Certainly we don't have strikers like that. So if you're going to start lumping the ball into the box, what do you think is going to happen? You know, with, with five Bournemouth defenders back there, we're, we're going to, we're going to lose out, aren't we? So I'm just surprised that Gerard wasn't there trying to get his players to play in a much more effective way. 
we just look clueless and toothless. And unfortunately, you know, we leave that game with many more questions than we do have answers. And as I said at the start of this rant, um, we should be at the stage now with Gerard. He's been there long enough for us to to think that there is a plan in place mm. for all, for all eventualities. When we go up, when we when we you know when we concede or everything like that, we should have something in place where we are responding and reacting. And there was there was none of that. And I think, yeah. as you say, we are a. I think we're a podcast that's generally you know we look at the bright side of things and we, we try to be realistic and we you, we don't try and moan and and complain bright Generally, side of things are villas hard to find sometimes it's, it's a, yeah it is it's a tough ask we do try and find the silver lining but that for me was about as bad a performance i've seen certainly since we do we've been doing this podcast and it's a shame to say that after the first game of the season so yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to prove against Everton next week. And Everton side, we'll talk about this obviously later in the program, but an Everton side that don't have a striker, yeah. that have their own form problems and everything else, lost their first game of the season and, and and all that. So that already feels like second game in, like a big game, which is a depressing yeah, thing does. to say. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, we'll talk a bit more about the Everton game later, but um, you know, I Away at a newly promoted side is probably not the ideal first game of the season. Um, Arsenal found that out last year when they played Brentford um, early doors last year, lost two nil. Um, and you could and Liverpool, I think Liverpool Arsenal, struggled against Fulham. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know Arsenal proceeded to lose the first three games of last year under Arteta, who was under a lot of pressure at that time. So, you know, maybe Gerard could look at that and think, well, you know, Arteta was working it out and seems to have hit a good formula. Maybe he can do the same. But, you know, I, what, I, what I can't accept is that, you know, you go away from home and you just have no fight. No, no yeah. one just taking the game. But that's probably what somebody like John McGinn is supposed to do, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what he's there for. That's why he's the captain. And, Intended to be just John McGinn took the ball, turned back on his left, and crossed the ball into the box. And every single time, Chris Meffham or Scott Billing or whoever just headed it away. Yeah, um, I mean, but Parker Parker Park said as much after the game. He just said the reason why we won that game was was just desire, um, the yeah. most sort of basic, basic thing you should sort of have as a as a yeah. as a professional footballer. And and you know, we talked about you know Bailey Coutinho. Coutinho was a hundred and forty million pound player not too long ago. Buendia is our record signing. I thought, you know, Buendia huffed and puffed when he came on, but there was nothing really there. But he came on as like a number eight, didn't he? You know, he yeah. replaced um, replaced Ramsey. Ramsey. So, yeah. again, I'm not so sure about that. Um, but regardless, Ings came in for, you know, I think undisclosed fee, but certainly a significant chunk of of, of money. Um, and it's all well and good paying money for these players and thinking on paper, wow, God, you know, what a fantastic array of talent we have. But if there's no cohesion and there's no desire... Mm. then you're worthless fundamentally you know yeah. you've got to have a bit of you've got to have a bit of something about you to to, to be like right we want to win we've gone one, one nil down the home crowd are bouncing how are we going to react and how are we going to respond and there was just none of that from anyone and, and players were just looking at each other shrugging and or shrugging their shoulders pointing complaining yeah, everything else like but there that. was no one to that grab the game by the scruff of the neck and we've got enough players there that should be able to do that yeah and there was there was no one there yeah. Um, what did you think of choosing Carlos and concert the back last week? I said I thought they'd go with Mings because of his height 
and that Bournemouth's main threat was going to be Kiefer Moore, who, you know, is so large that he could replace Atlas as the man who holds up the world upon his shoulders, the poor guy. Um, yeah. I, I just I just thought that was a bit of a logical thing to do. Carlos is a new player, settling into a new league, new culture, um, a whole new language as well, really. You know, that is it's it's an experience. And I would have thought, I don't know, Mings is a is is a real kind of yes, he can frustrate people. I'm not here saying that I think he's the greatest defender in the universe, but when he plays for Villa, he tends to do he sent he tend Villa tend to have looked better in recent years when he plays rather than when he doesn't. So I just thought it would be better for Carlos to play alongside Mings maybe at first. And that the height thing would have worked better against Kiefer Moore um and Solanke. But uh yeah. That's not what they went with. So what did you think of the back two? Yeah, no. Um I uh I, I I thought Gerard wouldn't start Mings. I got that. I, yeah, I, I think did, yeah. I think I I, I said um, I th- certainly I, I we're getting I the vibe. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just I just thought, you know, something's obviously not right between the two in terms of their relationship and and being stripped of the captaincy. Um, Gerard even said it himself. Mings was feeling raw about it um, in the initial sort of days after it was announced, which is obviously to be expected. Um, I mean, it could have gone two ways, really. One way is the way it did go, which is where he decided that, you know, basically I don't really have much faith, frankly, in in, in Mings uh, and I want to go a different route or that he would have stripped him of his captaincy, but then said to him, listen, let's, you know, let's focus now on your on your game. Let's I'm going to play you. I'm going to trust you. Let's just not focus on the captaincy for now. Let's just trust you as a, a just a football player for Aston Villa. But obviously he went with the former and and looking at the team sheet uh, when it was announced, I was a little bit surprised at a couple of things, but um, generally it sort of looked like something most I think most fans would have gotten on board with in the main. And I, I know another thing is like Mings is is, is sort of left centre back, isn't he? The same as Carlos. So maybe for balance, he went for the concert. He could have yeah. come with Chambers, obviously, but maybe that's another reason why he picked concert. Um, but yeah, I mean, hindsight is a wonderful thing. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. If we had Mings there, he would have offered much more of a competition against Moore, which which we lacked. And a I mean, gen- gen- generally, the defending for both set pieces was was really really poor. And set pieces is something that we've. I mean, it's been our eternal Achilles heel. Um, you know, we saw it in preseason against Wren. Yeah, it was bad. Wren was a warning sign. I thought Wren was a warning sign. But but last season, so. last season we've been we were struggling with set pieces as well. It's been a warning sign for for a while, and we just still haven't we just still, still haven't got it right. But I mean, we 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 left we left more just isolated in the in the box, and he just you know he had all the time in the world to thump his head up past Martinez. So um, that that obviously still needs working on still. Um, but yeah. I think again, the Everton game is going to be interesting um, yeah, sure. in terms of where where that relationship with Mings is, because I think if he decides to go with a concert again or, or rotate with Chambers rather than Mings, I think I think there's a real problem there. And you know, we're still a few weeks away from the end of the transfer window. You know, if 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 you're Mings and you're, if you're being left out the first sort of two, three, four games of the season, and there's a chance for you to to move on bearing in mind the world cup is is in november you can't miss too many more games if you want if you want a if you yeah. want a place on that True. on that flight to qatar 
So that's definitely one to keep an eye on, I think, um, where Tyrone Mings is at the end of um, at the end of August. Um, but for me, against Everton now, I think he should come in. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think yeah. Carlos. It's it, it, it. I'm not saying he had a terrible game by any strand, any stretch, but I thought there was definitely a communication issue. There were a couple of times where. Martinez had to come for balls and clear, you know, clear all the defenders out of the way because I think there was a bit of a communication issue as to who was going for the ball. A couple of times I noticed outside the box there were three players closing down the ball. It looked a little bit like Sunday League football to me, some of that defending, but I think that's a communication thing, you know, new centre back and everything coming in. Um and and you know, I thought in preseason Chambers and Chambers and Carlos played together the most. Uh, unless I'm mistaken, I think in terms of minutes, they probably play together the most. So I'm surprised Consa came in because I know he had his injury problems. So that's why he wasn't involved in preseason that much. That that was a surprise. But yeah, for me, I think Mings has to come back in next week because we need we need his leadership. We need his aerial prowess. Um, yes, he's prone to gaffes, but he gives more than he. Uh, we said we you know we're, we're defenders of Mings on this program. You know you know he needs to come in and. And uh, do what he's do what he's best at, and um, yeah, lead lead the team from the back, even though he doesn't have the armband anymore. Yeah, I think the thing that worries me slightly is, um, you know, you look at some teams and you know exactly what they're about, you know what their structure is, and if they sell a player, they replace them with someone who just slots into that function. With Villa, yeah. um, Dean Smith couldn't work out what the formula was once Jack Grealish left. I think the Ing signing was something to do with that. I think it's slightly left us a bit like, well, we've got two really good centre forwards here. What do we do? Mm. And um, Gerard has a formation from Rangers that he likes. The bombing fullbacks going forward and the two behind the striker. But, you know, I am looking at the 4-3-3 yesterday. I suppose that was to accommodate Bailey. Who had a really good yeah. preseason and deserved to start. Um, I'm still just not sure Gerard knows what that structure is with these players. And there's clearly more work to do. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll go and turn it all around with a big win at Everton. And in the next few weeks, suddenly Villa just come alive and that Bournemouth away was just one of those days. But that was a concerning day. So, uh, yeah, I think we have every right to be quite concerned. Two wins in 12. Um, it's not panic stations, but mm. it's certainly a point where I think Villa need to get a few wins quite soon to just, you know, get back into a good flow. Do you know what I mean? Sort of zen. Oh, yeah, happy. for sure. I mean, as, as, as you say, we've got we've got a lot of um, square pegs and round holes, and, and it's, not, it's a, not a good position to be in when you're... I mean, it's great to have a, a squad full of quality players. We have a really strong squad. Um, it is a good squad. But, um, but, but you know, the feeling that we have to accommodate Coutinho, the feeling that we have to accommodate Bailey, the feeling that we have to accommodate either and or Watkins. Yeah. And and I just calls need to be made on all of them because because it's not it's yeah I mean if that game's anything to go by it's just not it's just not working. We, we, we he's got to be decisive and say right if Coutinho's not performing yes I love the guy yes I played with him everything else yes he was 140 million a couple of seasons ago but if he's not performing he comes out and we bring Wendy in and give Wendy a chance. Mm-hmm. Um 
the same with Bailey, you know, like obviously Bailey had a great preseason. I'm really glad he started. I'd like to see him get into a run of games because that's what he needs. But, you know, there has to be a call as to whether, you know, if we play him, then we change our formation, we change our system. So what do we need to do? Do we need to keep a system and get Bailey out or do we need Bailey in and we need to work on that system with Bailey in it? So there's 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 so many, as I said, there's so many questions now after that game, which is not what you want. You want preseason to work that out. Um, you don't want to be starting the season thinking we've got this, that and the other problems emerging and we need to sort them out quickly. Um, so that that is a problem. But listen, Frankie, on the positive side, the season we were relegated bottom of the table, we beat Bournemouth on the first day of the season. So by that maths, football maths, you lose them first game of the season, we're going to finish top of the league. I think that's how it works. Yeah, and look, we're only three points behind Man City. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. The is that, we can catch we can catch them up. They're well know. within reach. We haven't they we are, haven't blown gonna... the title just yet. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Welcome back, everybody. Now it is time for this. Things are about to get as hot as the burning sun here on the All Villa, no filler podcast. As I ask you, Georgios of Hal Zielinski, what do you think of the current situation around Tyrone Mings? Well, that certainly is a spicy question. Um, very spicy. Very spicy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, def- that, that's definitely me reaching for the Greek yogurt right now. Um, well, I mean, obviously we've, we've, we have touched on it already. Um, it's kind of, I, I don't know. It it does it does leave a, a sour or a spicy taste in my mouth rather. Um, a couple of comments kind of after the game sort of made me feel a bit sort of uncomfortable. The fact that he said, Gerard said that um, Mings um, uh, must look him in the eye to show show him he's ready to play. Mm. Um, you know what what's that what's that all about? Um, yeah, does that really I mean that nice. does suggest that there has been some confrontation or some yeah. comments behind the scenes. Um, which is not ideal. I can't, you know, at the start of the season, you want a happy camp, and there are definitely some campers in the camp who aren't happy. I mean, you only have to look at Morgan Sanson's Instagram story uh, on the day of the game yeah. to make you th- realize that, uh, you know, there are a few players there that aren't happy. In case you haven't seen it, it was, um, it was a post where he said, I'm fit and ready to play with a winking emoji. And then the team sheet came out and he, Sanson wasn't anywhere on it. So, you know, clearly he was oh, alluding to that fact that he wasn't part of the squad. And then, you know, a couple of other, I think I've seen Gilbert tweet a couple of pictures of him with training with the kids and with he's shrugging his shoulders and stuff. All that sort of stuff is not, is not great to see. Uh, and the Ming situation is kind of wrapped up into all that now. I mean, the last thing you want to do is see Tyro Ming's, you know, England international um, man who helped get us promoted, you know, leader of the club for the past couple of seasons. Oh, I'm off the pitch. In, in, in the bomb squad, you know, you don't you don't want that to happen. Um, but but yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. Ger- I mean, Gerard, Gerard is clearly very forthright. And some people like managers like that, that kind of like uh, tell it like it is. Um, 
and and uh, 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 you know are prepared to make very very big calls and perhaps ruffle a few feathers. You know that that some some players react well to that. Some fans like that. Uh, I don't know. I I think I'd probably lean towards maybe the Dean Smith school of you know trying to get people on side because I think at some point in the season you're going to be relying on players that you might not quite like as as either individuals or as players in terms of their ability. Um, you know, it's a long season, cup competitions, all the rest of it. You want players who are going to be happy and players you can rely on to turn to turn to. So that does leave a bit of a as i say a bit of a sour taste um so yeah i'm not uh, i'm not i'm not a fan of it again it's another thing that's come out of the defeat to bournemouth which makes me slightly concerned for the season ahead after all that kind of promise and hope and expectation thinking you know here we go we could make a charge for europe this season i do feel slightly deflated so i don't know how you feel about the relationship between mings and gerard frankie but i wonder if it's say, uh, similar to to me well, look, I mean, we are outsiders. Ultimately, Stephen Gerrard's there at Bodymore Heath every single day dealing with Tyrone Mings. And so he's seeing yeah. whatever it is, you know, face-to-face. You could compare it to the Aubameyang situation at Arsenal last year where Arteta just sort of went off him. I think Aubameyang was captain of Arsenal at that point. Certainly, he was like he was, one of their, yeah, was he was. their star player. Uh, and just sort of forced him out the door, really. And that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from the Mings scenario you know, you take the captaincy off him. You don't make him a vice captain. I don't really know why Tyron Mings would react positively to that. I'm not sure humans do react positively to, you know, what would feel like kind of a rejection, really, and a manager saying that you're not good. Like, yes, they're professional footballers, and yes, it is the harshest, it, one of the harshest industries going, brutal industry. Um, and to be fair, I thought Mings reacted well publicly to it and really encouraged John McGinn and all that. Don't know how he acted in private, but you know, from what you gather of Mings, you so, so I like to think he's a great professional and that he yeah. would get over it. Um, and so I don't know, I, I, I think managers talking like it with the tone that Gerard did in the post match uh, uh, press conference about Mings. Um, does it work? I mean, there might be a couple of occasions it worked for Mourinho when he was in his super successful period. I remember he called out Carvalho for having a Ricardo Carvalho for having a low IQ once, and Carvalho continued to be one of the best defenders in the world. But mm-hmm. generally, I tend to think it's not a good sign, and that actually it has an adverse effect. And it's you know, I, I think I recall Lampard doing it to Timo Werner at Chelsea. I think it was slightly harsher what Lampard said about Werner. Um, Mourinho's done it in more recent years. I'm not saying Ger- what Gerard said was as harsh as what, say, Lampard and Mourinho particularly have said in recent times, but it certainly seemed uh, not great. I didn't like it particularly. I think Tyra Mings deserves quite a lot of credit, really, for everything he's done at Villa. And if I was Mings... The message I'd be taking is that I don't think I'm necessarily super wanted around here. That could change if he gets a start in place against Everton and he has a great week of training. But, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you know, England World Cup is just around the corner. He's just lost his place in the England team, so he's going to desperately want to play and win it back, particularly mm-hmm. if an injury happens and Mings is the one to turn to. I wouldn't be massively surprised if he lo- he's loaned out, you know, before the end of the... Win- transfer window 
if he doesn't get games and he might say, look, if I'm not going to get the game time, I want to go somewhere else where I will. And I could see him going to Europe, could see him going to other teams in the Premier League and being, you know, a, a positive presence in the defence. Personally, I think I'd probably have started him against Bournemouth. But, uh, you know, Gerard has every right not to think that Mings is his man and he has his every right to pick his own captain. That's absolutely fine. But, uh, yeah, the post-match comment about looking him in the eye and all that, uh, not, I wouldn't say I loved it, no. But, you know, that's, yeah, maybe it works. What, what, you, what, what you don't want to see happen is, as we're kind of seeing with Matt Target, you know, he, he, we, we, he, he's bombed out. He goes out on loan, joins joins Newcastle on a permanent uh, mm. deal, and is actually doing really well for them. <laughs> um, it, it's not a great look for the club. If you know, I mean, I, I I had nothing against Target. I thought he was absolutely fine for us. Um, you know, we brought Dina in, so you can kind of understand why he wanted to to move on. I mean, ideally it would have been great if he stuck around, you know, competition for places and all that, but you know, I can understand if, if I'm kicked out of the team and someone's replacing me that I might want to try and go somewhere else to play Newcastle. There's a big project going on there, of course, but he's gone there and done and done really well. What I don't want to see happen though, is a, is, is, is that, that is that, you know, a player is, is that Gerard sees as dispensable is, is let go or we sell them. Um, and they go and, smash it at another uh, another club mm. that doesn't send a good message does it in terms of Jared's ability to get the most out of the players that he yeah. has I, I think um, fair, I think fair it probably was target's time to go I think I think Luca Dean probably is a an upgrade he's certainly a more attacking fullback than target he did struggle post Grealish but yes yeah I, I know what you're saying I think the, I think the jury's still out on Dean to be honest I like him and um there were moments where he was contributing and stuff, but um, I think that there should be more to come considering his pedigree. But anyway, this, this isn't about Luke Dean. Um, you know, Tyra Mings, as, as I was saying, I, I still think there's more. What I mean is there's more to come from him in a Villa shirt. Uh, and I don't, what I don't want to see is him going to another club, particularly a rival club in the Premier League and doing really, really well for them. And we look back as Villa fans and think, I really wish Gerard didn't say what he said about him at the time. And I really wish that, you know, because it's, as a, as we said numerous times on the show, it's it's all well and good looking at Mings's individual mistakes and pointing to kind of, you know, these glaring errors that he can make. Yeah. But then the, the fact of the matter is we win far more games with, with Mings in the team than we do without him. And, and it's a team, so it's never down to one individual player. But I think it does highlight that he's much more important to us than I think a lot of Villa fans give him credit for. Yeah, he's certainly important to us. Uh, I think, yeah, I do think we look more often more comfortable defending when he's around or we have more of a presence or something like that. And, and look, I'm not, as I say, I'm not saying he's the perfect defender. I'm not here going, you know, there seems to be this thing that people say, you know, if you don't, if a Villa player doesn't play that everybody, all the fans seem to assume they're just great players. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I think generally the trend has been that when Mings is in the defence, Villa's defence tends to look a little bit better. Um, maybe I'll be proven totally wrong. And, you know, I like Chambers a lot. I like Concer a lot. I love the signing of Carlos. And that that pairing will work itself out and Villa will find the formula and everything will be hunky-dory the next few weeks. Um, but, yeah, it's certainly an interesting situation with Mings. But I'll tell you what, the one place he's not going, Leeds United. 
Those fans are obsessed with that man. <laughs> Every single time we play them, they just can't stop singing about him. And it was hilarious when we beat them 3 0. Right. Yeah, and so, he got the assist, didn't he, for, for Chambers as lovely well? Lovely assist as well. Um, nice all while they were singing. So, you know, in 10 years' time, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Aston Villa will have won the Premier League. Please, God. And, um, or no, actually, Aston Villa will have beaten a newly promoted side on the first day of the season. That miracle will yeah, happen. That would be and nice. And Leeds fans will still be singing about Tyrone Means. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, let's look ahead to Villa's next game. As we've mentioned, it's Everton at home next Saturday. I think it's the early kickoff, 31. Um, Frankie, how do you think that one's going to go? We have a really good recent record against Everton. We seem to be the team they seem to lose to quite a lot. Um, did the double over them last season, that very memorable 3-0 win with the Leon Bailey performance from heaven and uh, that fantastic Buendia goal away from home win the 1-0 last year. Now, look, um, Everton, biggest weakness, they don't have a striker at the moment. Mm. Anthony Gordon played up front for them against Chelsea. Uh, so you would like to think that whoever it is that plays as the two central defenders next week, they will um, have some idea of how to deal with somebody who's not a normal number nine. Anthony Gordon, though, is a very talented player. And I think if he continues on his current sort of run of form and his trajectory, he'll go quite far within football. Yeah, good, good, luck, good luck against um, Diego Carlos, Anthony Gordon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, if there's a physical battle between those two, there's, there's only one winner there. You'd think, but you know, I rate Gordon very high. I do think Gordon's a good player. I'd say his movement might cause us some problems. Um, look, Everton played with a five-for-one against Chelsea at home. Very defensive. Um, I don't think they'll do that against Villa. I'd be very surprised if they turned up at Villa with a five-four-one formation. Um, you know what? I, I I wouldn't be. I I would really? be. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, look at look at how Bournemouth played against us. Well, true. Yeah, I guess. That's um, true. Yeah. And 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 if they and if they don't have a striker, you kind of think, you know, they could they they probably be thinking, well, okay, we'll soak up some pressure because Villa can't mm. do anything with the ball. So, yeah. Well, hopefully Frank Lampard's not watching this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know he's just sat there kicking back in. Uh, in West London, just having a nice old time of it, you know, and just watching Villa YouTube. Um, no, <laughs> uh, I don't think he is, but uh, what would concern me is if, let's say Everton did do that, the 5-4-1, and out on the wings had Demare Gray, um, Birmingham City former player, good player, and Dwight McNeil, who they've signed from Burnley, and those two on the wing, our fullbacks push high up that might be a lot of room for them to run into so that could be a problem for us plus the back three would be I think Yerry Mina I think he might have got injured actually um, yeah, I think Ben Godfrey Connor, got Connor injured Co- as well actually he did Connor Cody is it could make his debut for them it looks like okay. they all sign you'd think it'd be Michael King Connor Cody and James Tarkovsky also from Burnley so that's a very very physical back three um they're not going to be 
players that you want to send long, hopeful crosses into the box against. No. So we're going to have to work out where to put Coutinho or whether Buendia comes in or whether they play the two of them together. I don't know if he's going to do 4-3-3. I wonder if he'll go back to his favoured formation from last season with the Buendia and Coutinho attacking unit behind a lone striker with the quite narrow with the fullbacks being able to run and bomb forward. But look, the bottom line is, you know, God, it's like Stoke or Steve Austin. The bottom line is um, Aston Villa have to show more passion. Um, oh, God, I sound a bit, you know, when Gary Neville says like Manchester United Football Club, sound a bit like Aston Villa Football Club. You know, you get very like... Um, well, it's very prestigious. It gives us sort of that very prestigious, prestigious aura. Yeah. Aston yeah. Villa Football Club have to show a little bit more passion, a bit more energy. Someone has to take the game by the scruff of the neck in a way that nobody did against Bournemouth. Um, let's hope that this week, whatever it is that needs to be worked out from the coaching staff and the players is worked out. Um, and that's, uh, I would suggest that Everton, uh, I think the way they're going to approach this season is that they're going to be very hard to beat. And I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being a nil-nil draw next week. But um, it's certainly a game that we have to look at and think this run of two wins in 12, it has. we have to start getting wins soon and Everton at home is the place to start. Yeah. I feel like if we lose it, uh, that will be a very bad result. Uh, I'm not saying we get, get to the point where dramatic decisions are going to be made, but I mean, certainly there'll be a lot of Villa fans who'll be thinking... You know what's the going doubts on. Doubts will creep in for sure. Yeah. So totally. Um, because again, it's it's that it's the lack of excuses, really. I mean, we're quite good, at, as I said, we're quite good on the show for saying, you know, when defeats roll around, which they obviously do, uh, we can point to various reasons for it. Whereas the let's say that the Bournemouth game are struggling to pin beyond basically beyond tactical ineptitude and um and lack of desire. Um, I can't really think. Maybe the fact that we played a promoted side first game of the season, which, as we said, was quite tricky. But I mean, they're soft defenses for sure. They're not going to get you out of out of the out of jail, are they? Uh, if it was in a courtroom. Um, so, 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 yeah. So that's an issue. I mean, against Everton again, you're thinking we're at home. We haven't picked up any injuries against Bournemouth um, because you know we weren't putting in any. Sackles of note. Um, apart from Kamara, and, Kamara uh, Apart from Kamara, apart from Kamara, Kamara did, did do well. Um, you know, as I say, at home, uh, it's the first home game of the season, so we should really have a full house of, of Villa Park. Um, yeah, no injuries. Uh, at least we have strikers. Everton don't. Everton are, are in bad form themselves and don't have strikers. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of un- un- unrest there. So all that combined points to a Villa win on, again on paper it should do so um, you know how how the players react to that is important because you know we are a big club and with the big club comes expectation and I worry if we went a goal down how will Villa Park react and how will the players react to that reaction you know because we've seen it a lot of times at Villa Park and if we're struggling against a team that we should on paper be beating if we start to you know, lose possession or deep, like go down a goal or two, it can become, uh, yeah, a little bit 
challenging. Yeah. I wouldn't say toxic because no, not there not yet, toxic. but uh, but just but but challenging. Villa fans, are, we're an expectant bunch, mm-hmm. and we'll let you know about it if you're a player for for, for the club. So we'll have to see. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly feeling pretty negative after the Bournemouth game. But obviously, that can all change with a with a good performance and a win against Everton on on Saturday. And I and I, yeah, I hope the team reacts. I, I don't think yeah, it's necessarily sure. just on Gerrard here. I think the players need to react. And you know, McGinn as captain in that centre midfield position needs to needs to start performing like a captain a bit. Um, yeah, so I, there I was think, a few yeah. last season. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just yeah, I just because he's such a big he's such a big personality, McGinn. I think that's one of the reasons why he's got the captain's armband is because mm-hmm. you see it in all the kind of like, you know, the internal um sort of villa villa videos where he's involved in. Like he he is the one doing all the talking, he's the one making mm-hmm. all the jokes, he's the one that's sort of galvanizing the players and, and whatnot. And he needs to do that more on match days. Uh, now that he's captain, he needs to he needs to act like one. So yeah, uh, I'm still hope I'm still hopeful that we'll get something, but you know, there is a part of me that's slightly worried as well. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Everton do. Uh, I mean, they kind of went a bit back to basics under Lampard towards the end of last season, and that's ultimately kind of what kept them up, including the form of Richarlison, really. Um, they've lost Richarlison, obviously. Um, I I think they're quite, it might be quite a defensive unit just by the players they've signed this season, in pre-season. So, yeah, quite a, not the most fun to watch this year, but just mm. hard to beat in maybe a way. Not, not, this, not, sort of, not dissimilar to Burnley in a way, if they're going to play three, five at the back. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how they do approach Villa. Maybe they're just going to go five at the back while they don't have a striker. Um, I think that's maybe the best way to approach games until Calvert-Lewin is fit again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so score prediction. I'm gonna say nil nil. That is really? a really boring prediction, but I think no, no, nil, no, no, nil nil. I think <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping us on nil, nil in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Sorry, as soon as you said nil nil, I can't look past nil. I can see yeah. the scoreboard of Villa Park now. Nil nil, ninety minutes. Yeah. Uh, but no, just I'm the, gonna I'm... just that low hum of boo. You get at the end of a nil nil. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. it sort of gives way to applause, light yeah. applause, yeah, light class. applause. That's yeah, class. very light applause. I um, I'm going to be more optimistic. I'm going to say there, Gerard will make some changes. Um, and I think the players will be up for it now. I think I think Bournemouth is a real kick up the, the backside. Um, and I hope the players will respond. So I'm going to say two 0 Villa. Kick up John McGinn's big backside. Yeah, it's it's the it's the team you can you kind of feel like it's a team you want to be playing now. Everton before they get their you know their mm. strikers back fit before they sort of sign anyone before the end of of August. Yeah, you've, they're they're sort of. I kind of feel like their backs are on the on the on the ropes. Do you know there's an Everton uh, podcast out there right now going, you know, Aston Villa. That's a <laughs> they're team on the ropes, you really yeah. want to play right now, lads. They're, yeah. they're on the ropes. They're on the ropes. One of them doing an impression of a brummy. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to this uh, Villa podcast the other week. Um, they said that uh, Everton on the ropes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, no, we'll... 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna end this podcast after starting in sort of. I've been a bit negative today, Frankie. I'm, I'm, I'm well, I feel, the, the I feel we've both been a bit, bit and... uncharacteristically, but that's what that game yeah. does. That's what that 2-0 white ball did to us. It, 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 it is what it does to us. But I'm going to end on a positive note, and I'm going to think we are going to bounce back, Frankie, and we're going to win, and we're going to win 2-0, and we're going to do this show in a week's time, and everything is going to be all candy oh. and flowers. Candy. John, flowers. John, John Candy and Tim Flowers. Oh, lovely stuff. Great 90s <laughs> references. <laughs> John Candy, the great coach of the Jamaican bobsled team in the 1994 film Cool Runnings. That's right. And And Tim Flowers, Flowers. a good goalkeeper. Yes. A good goalkeeper. Former manager of Sully Moors. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, George Zielinski. Catch you later, Frankie. See you in a bit, George. See you next week for our very positive post-Everton catch-up. Absolutely, that is the way it's going to be. And it's goodbye from me too. We'll be back again to review that Everton game. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa. <laughs>